everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Bet on Yourself podcast. Today, I'm doing a summary episode uh, reflecting on the conversation we had last week with Martha Lane Fox. And in summary, Martha is a remarkable human being. She's absolutely fascinating and a great example of true leadership. And there are so many good bites of wisdom that I've been thinking about over the past week that I think is really applicable to all of us, regardless of the stage of our career or what our goals might be, especially as we're thinking about the other side of this pandemic and the new normal we want to be creating for ourselves. So for me, the beautiful summary word that came from this um, interview with Martha was really serendipity. And I think a lot of us are really missing that right now. These moments of, of chance where you see a colleague in the hallway and a water cooler conversation turns into a new product idea or seeing a friend um, spontaneously on the weekend leads you to set a big goal for yourself or to approach a problem in a different way. And so I think we have to get a little bit creative about how we create these moments of serendipity where hard work and preparation meets a little bit of luck and inspiration, but it definitely can be done. And Martha introduced this concept by talking about the early stages of her career. Her um, very first job she describes as a cheerleader for the internet. <laughs> she came into tech very, very early. Um, in the late 90s, she was already starting a company which became one of the original unicorns where she co-founded lastminute.com. And she talked about this as um, teaching her some of the foundational skills that she's used um, as her career has pro progressed over time. And she really accredits that early success of her first company into a couple of factors. The first is building trust and credibility with uh, people around her. So at the early stages of the internet, she had to literally be explaining to her investors what it was they were doing, this concept of buying things online. Um, she also had to build relationships of trust with her users and most importantly with her employees. And for me over my career, I've absolutely seen this be essential as well, that it's really all about the people. That's the only way we can get anything done and that we can create um, this impact in the world that we want to see. And it really is an investment of time. I remember when I first started at Google, I was so overwhelmed with the amount of tasks that had just been waiting for me before I even started on my first day that I didn't give myself permission to get out of my chair and get up and, and create some relationships. And that was essential because especially in the early days of Google, the way you got things done was purely based on your network, uh, who you knew and connecting with the right person to empower you to, to get it done. And so I encourage you, if you're having these moments or, or longing for these moments of serendipity to get a little bit creative about how can you expand your network, have these impromptu conversations and really be inspired by the peers that you have around you. If that doesn't exist in your current team, looking for opportunities maybe in your community or through a learning forum, or even within the podcast community, there's great opportunities to have some mentors who will inspire you who maybe don't even need to know you exist. You might be able to gather those moments of wisdom on your own and really curate some good content for you. So Martha Lane Fox reminded us that um, one of the most important parts of her success in her early journey was surrounding herself with the right people. She attributes her big success to the right co-founding relationship. And um, her co-founder, Brent Holberman, in his podcast interview, uh, also mentioned the same thing, that the combination of the two of them was the secret sauce. Um, she said having two people as co-founders really helped her company grow fast. And uh, several of my consulting clients have talked about that, that when they're trying to do it alone, 
um, and, and having this journey as a sole founder is really, um, it's heavy that way. And it's helpful to have a number two or somebody who you can delegate to, who has complementary strengths to your weaknesses. And um, that helps you really to build fast and stay relevant. And the second part she said was, she was really um, in that early stage of choosing the right people allowed her to have more breadth and depth by dividing and conquering, by being unafraid to delegate and to really focus her energy on the tasks that were uniquely suited to her passions and experience and talents. So if you're feeling a bit of overwhelm, think about ways in which you might be able to creatively recenter your work or your de core deliverables around your talents and your passions. Maybe you could delegate something that is weighing you down and delegate that to someone who might see that as an exciting opportunity to take on a new challenge or grow a new skill and it gets it off your plate and provides a growth opportunity for someone else around you. And um, the third principle Martha attributes her early success to is that she learns that it's all about the people, empowering her young team. If you're a people manager, maybe giving um, really thoughtful learning opportunities to some of those junior members of your team, or if you are that junior member on a team, volunteering for that and seeing an opportunity where you can contribute something new and um, use kind of whatever your superpower is or your personal personal passions to drive forward some team success. When we find that nice overlap between your passions and interests and a coordinate of the team, that's when you can really be recognized as a leader and get those promotion opportunities or grow outside of maybe the traditional um, framework within your job description was written and break out of that and create some real growth opportunities for yourself. And this is where you can feel a real sense of ownership and accountability, which is really the secret to this kind of success and finding joy in our work. I wouldn't want any of us to take on more responsibilities that feels heavier, especially right now when we're still in lockdown restrictions and, and feeling unsafe and, and we haven't invented this new normal, but really want to align your work around the things that bring you the most joy and satisfaction. And really for me, that absolutely comes from the people that I surround myself with. Great people, smart people will always figure out the right things to do. They'll develop the right kind of products, the right environment, connect with your users in a unique way. But um, if anything, right now, we don't want to be aiming too low. Even if we are feeling a sense of overwhelm, I think the secret is really to hone in and get rid of all the things that aren't serving us and then catapult those things that are going well and aiming high enough. If we don't aim high enough, we probably won't survive this um, transition that we're all making in the pandemic. So Martha um, described herself as being a generalist, but her focus and her impact, she says, comes from being centered around her passions. Her earliest life passion was around social justice. She actually had anticipated um, trying to address some of the very complex problems in the prison systems, but instead um, her work in the internet and now her, her roles in government are really united by this central theme of, of her real drive for social justice and being an advocate for those who are marginalized or underprivileged. And I see that as a theme of her impact of, while she does wear many, many hats, for example, she's on the board of directors for Twitter and also for Chanel, but she also is part of the Queen's Commonwealth Trust. All of these are united around her really wanting to create the environment um, to empower others around us. And that is the uniting theme around what she is putting into the world. And she says that this was inspired by her own um, struggles. She had a, an accident in which she broke 
pretty much every bone in her body. And she says that it actually was um, a nice wake up call. She was forced to make a change to use her energy very thoughtfully because it was now suddenly limited and to contribute what was of most value each and every day. And for her, this really comes down to what is now being described as the triple bottom line, where she focused on people, on profits, just because that's essential for being able to continue our impact in the world. And third, her biggest passion at the moment is the planet, making sure that we're being mindful of that because as she describes it, it doesn't matter what kind of brilliant company we launch if there isn't a planet and people uh, to benefit from it. And she was really alarmed that at the moment, she calculates about 5% of VC money is going to climate change work. And she says that that challenge is far too urgent to be underfunded and she's really working to be an advocate for that. I also have been thinking a lot about her TED Talk. We talked about that in the interview. And her TED Talk was titled, The Digital World is Having a Midlife Crisis. And this was before the pandemic, but I absolutely think that's true now. And any good crisis hopefully has a nice silver lining that we refocus ourselves on what's really important and come to a place that's more authentic and relatable and um, really gives back to us, that fills our cup every day through the contributions we're making in the world. And so she introduced three big questions in this TED Talk. First is that she hopes that when we look back in 10 years, that we can be proud of the solutions that we've created, that we can really ask ourselves that and use that to inform what we want to do in our work or maybe some changes we need to make to recenter it around what you're passionate about and, and what really matters to you most. The second question she encourages us to ask is, do we have the right voices in the room? And for me, this really comes down to diversity. Do we have all perspectives represented? Are the right um, backgrounds being considered? The changes we want to see in the world? Do we have, have we surrounded ourselves with the right people, the right team to get things done? And third is, are we using the tools of, mod of the modern age in the best way we can? Are we adopting new technologies and applying those in unique ways? Because we all know that's the secret sauce to creating something of, of big impact is um, repurposing these technological advancements to meet the needs of today. And not only the needs of today, but the problems that are underfoot, but really having a forward looking back approach to problem solving. Imagining ourselves five, 10 plus years from now and reverse engineering that into what we need to be contributing now um, in order to be ready to solve those problems of the future. And COVID has really forced some quick growing and changing intensely how we use our time and the way in which we interact with each other. These structural changes can be really disorienting, but um, we also want to be mindful that we don't have a digital divide. We've seen in COVID that um, there's a digital divide for accessibility to government services, to education and public service. And Martha really talked about how she's using her work as a chancellor of the UK's open university to make more opportunities available to more people. That's through ed tech and continued learning is essential for the future of personalized learning. 
And so I hope that we'll be able to find some ways in our circles of influence to make sure that no one is being left behind and that we can lean into technology to help train people up, maybe get some new skills for ourselves, or if you have an expertise, making that available to as many people as possible through training and online learning while we're distanced from each other. And Martha says that there's several things that we could do to create some opportunities for ourselves and also for those around us. And the first is being willing to ask questions. And for me, this was key in my career. I've always been surrounded by some of the most brilliant people in the world, and it can feel intimidating to let myself ask a seemingly dumb question. But if I've done my homework and I've read everything that I can and thought about everything, I had to be willing to ask the questions that recenter it and allow myself to, to learn through the experts around us. The second is shifting from knowing nothing about a subject and becoming a world's expert in that. So for me, I really tried to do this through giving myself homework. If I'm entering an industry, like now when I have clients who are CEOs of agricultural companies, uh, science-based um, manufacturing, I've got um, fintech companies, cryptocurrencies, all these things that I am not an expert in. But if I want to be of value to them, I'm going to do some homework, really become an expert, and then ask those centering questions without apology. And often that gets those experts in the room to find the, the right answer for themselves, to really um, center in what's the core of the problem and how can we apply some patterns of behavior that we've seen be successful in the past to these new situations. The third is really about shifting your mindset from trying to be a know-it-all to being a learn-it-all. Now, this is when Satya Nadal was asked about how he turned around Microsoft's culture, which was a, an enormous legacy company, and we all know it takes a lot of time to turn a big ship like that. He said this was absolutely the key. We had to, he wanted to shift the employees from feeling like their most valuable asset was being a know-it-all to remaining a lifelong learner and to celebrate becoming learn-it-alls. And Martha summarized this as the concept of the importance of hinterland, and her definition of hinterland was really about the depth and breadth of knowledge that we're inviting into our life. What kind of new um, triggers are we getting? What voices are we inviting into our lives? What are we reading? What are we pondering? Are we really open to these moments of natural inspiration where we aren't just filling up our days with being busy, busy, busy and back-to-back -back tasks, but have we created this um, space for learning and reflection. It is really how we create a new future for ourselves. And she said that if you're, maybe you're not feeling this, like you're feeling uh, like you're in a state of overwhelm, that you're not having these insights. Martha gives us a comfort when she says that in her experience, success rarely feels like success in that moment. It feels messy, it feels anxious, she feels subpar, and no one really is in that, um, feeling of success or conquering as a permanent state. And I can tell you, having worked with some of the most successful and impactful people in the world, that this is absolutely true for them as well. That success rarely feels like it in the moment. It's only in hindsight um, when you can really uh, celebrate how difficult a challenge was and how that um, has benefited you going forward. And as a final recommendation, Martha encouraged us to pick up a book. She especially recommends some poetry as, a, as an opportunity to find some joy or maybe solace, empathy or inspiration for the future. And to really think about what you, 
what fills you up, what gives you this inspiration, what allows you to learn, what centers you around your passions, and so that we can then be really purposeful and creative in thinking about how we want to recenter ourselves post-pandemic so that we can help as many people as possible and find as much joy as possible in our work. So I hope that this has given you some inspiration for where you want to be spending your energy, how you want to focus your life, and where you can go for some sources of inspiration. Martha Lane Fox is a remarkable person, and I found, found her very, very, very inspiring. So I hope if you haven't already listened to the full episode, that you'll go back and listen to it. But this was just a little teaser for all these nuggets of wisdom that she shared with us. So I look forward to hearing your takeaways. Please share this with friends who might find the Bet on Yourself podcast inspiring to them. And um, please share on social media. I'd love to hear the way in which you are taking this information and applying it into your lives and betting on yourself. I hope you make a big bet this week and I look forward to hearing about it. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Bet on Yourself podcast. If you're like me, you have a lot of new insights and ideas of things you want to implement from this episode. Don't worry if you were listening to this while walking the dog or putting a baby to sleep or driving and didn't have hands free to take notes. We've done the hard work for you. Check out the show notes here in your podcast app or on my website, annhyatt.co, for additional resources. While you're there, you can also sign up for my newsletter, which always supplements these podcast themes with additional free resources. May I ask for a quick favor? Please click on that follow or subscribe button here in your podcast app so you don't miss an episode and give us a five-star rating. I'd love it if you'd also share this via your social media with your friends and tag me so that I can see what resonated with you, who you would like to hear on future episodes, and what topics are on your mind. We'll be back next week with even more content to support you in your big bets. I'll see you then.